This morning we're continuing a series that we've been in called Clichés, Half-Truths, and Lies that We Believe. And we've just been taking a deeper look into some of the things that we hear. And this idea that just because it sounds good or it seems right doesn't make it true. Like the statement, just trust your heart. So that's the question for today. To trust or not to trust? See, I believe that our hearts are vital. I believe that our hearts are valuable. But we got to ask the question, can they always be trusted. In Scripture, Jeremiah 17, 9, that's what, that's what it says. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, when I first read that, I thought, man, that's kind of harsh. But I don't know that it's necessarily meant to be harsh as much as it is a warning. I don't think it means that we don't listen to our hearts. I think that there are times where our hearts are invaluable. They can lead us to good things, good directions. They can inspire us. They can motivate us. But I think that this verse is a self-check to, yes, listen to your heart, but to tread carefully. That trusting your heart can be dangerous because our hearts are sick. Our hearts were designed to be in the Garden of Eden with God. And we are no longer there, if you have not figured that out yet. So my, my mom came to me and my older brother one day, when, a long time ago, when we were still living in the house together. And she said, hey, my, my friend from, I don't know, high school back in the day, before I was born, has invited us over to the house. Uh, and uh, they're pretty wealthy, and they have really good food. And I'm like, well, okay. Free food, I'm there. Like, it doesn't take much more than that. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this. So we, we go over to, to her house, and, and I, you know, I get the plate, and I, and I get up to the line, and I see mashed potatoes. Man, I'm so excited. I, I get way too excited about mashed potatoes, but I, I, I don't know about you. It's okay. If, you can be wrong if you want to, but mashed potatoes are delicious, right? And so when I get to the mashed potatoes section, I'm like, I'll have some of those, and I'll have some more. And so I, I load my plate up with these mashed potatoes, right? And I'm so excited. I, I sit down, I, I start eating, and I'm just like, man, there's something wrong here. This lady, she can't make mashed potatoes, man. I don't know what she... <laughs> I don't know what she's doing, but she has jacked this up. And then I made the biggest mistake that I've, I've made multiple times in my life is I then look at my brother, who's thinking the exact same thing, and now we're, we're trying not to laugh, and we're trying to suffer these mashed potatoes down because, you know, you, can, you want to be polite. You don't want to be rude. And, and all of a sudden, at, at some point during the dinner, the host asks us, she says, oh, what do you guys think about the mashed cauliflower? <laughs> Listen, can, can I just say, if you have people over at your house and you serve them mashed cauliflower, can you please put a sign that says, this is not mashed potatoes? Now, what I was doing is I was trusting what I thought I knew. I looked and I thought I saw mashed potatoes. And, and I don't think that pride is always grandiose, but pride can always get us in trouble. And I think that that's what this scripture is saying, that trusting our hearts is risky business because our hearts can become clouded. It can become misguided and even biased. 
And one of the things that I think our heart is clouded with is fear. And that's the first blank on your outline if you're following along this morning. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you just be like chilling at the house. You know, you got your seat or your, your sofa and you're just enjoying a night of peace Maybe mixed with a little bit of chaos if you got some kids, but you're just enjoying your life, right? And then all of a sudden, this ginormous spider comes from God knows where, right? And it's just coming at you, and you're like, uh-oh. And here's the biggest problem. You look down, and you ain't got no shoes on, man. Now you're in trouble, right? Because what are you going to do? It's like, I'm out of here. I ain't got no shoes. We're burning the house down. Like the spider is going to come get me. But so what do you do? You, you go and you find you a shoe or a sandal. It doesn't matter. And then you kill the spider. And then after you kill it, you feel, you just get that like accomplishment, right? Just, yeah, I handle that. I handle that spider, right? I'm a man. Yeah. And so I'm like, Steph, come in here. You got to see this spider I just killed. It was ginormous. And then she gets in there and she looks at the spider and it's just like this dinky little dot. It's like, listen, I promise, I swear that thing was a tarantula. I don't know where it went. It disappeared. But can I, can I just say that I, I think that's what fear is. Fear is a liar. Fear is this thing that looks like this giant, big, hairy spider. But then when you kill it and you face it, you're like, why, why was I afraid of that? But how many times in your life has fear kept you from being obedient to the Spirit of God? Has it kept you from witnessing or maybe sharing your testimony or, or maybe just talking to somebody who was grieving because you were afraid to say the wrong thing? See, Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, and he says, Listen, you have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-control. Fear says you cannot, but God says I can. I also think that our hearts become clouded by desire. Now, one time in high school, there was this girl that was interested in me, and she met all of my qualifications. She was attractive, and she wanted to date me. So I was like, <laughs> let's do this. Like, I'm down. And I don't think it was about my desire for her as much as it was just the desire to have a girlfriend. I'd spent many years alone. I was, I was ready for this. And my, you know, my mom warned me. She's like, mm, I don't know about this girl. You know, fast forward, shocker, mom was right. It was a bad idea. But, but you guys get this idea that desire, it, it clouds our minds. It clouds our hearts. Sometimes we make really dumb decisions. I mean, if you've, you understand this, if you've ever had buyer's remorse, where you, you bought something and then you, you get home and you're like did I really spend that much money on this? Like, that was a terrible decision. Like, lust is a killer of logical thinking. And it's, it's not just about sexuality. It's, it's all desires. Like, is there ever a logical reason to buy a Cinnabon? Listen, no. You, you buy it because you want it, but you should never buy something that's food that requires a truck to deliver it to your house. Those things are ginormous. There's no logical reason for you to eat that by yourself, but you do because you just, you want it, right? You desire it. I also believe that our hearts can be clouded by wounds. Our past hurts and pains can, can they can halt our hearts in an instant. And I don't know that that's always a bad thing. I, I think it's okay for our past to make us cautious, 
we can't let our past turn us into hermits. We, we can't let our past uh, dictate or ruin our future. I was talking uh, with Stephanie's dad when they visited a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me about this book he was reading. And in the book, there was a story about this girl who had just had this horrible experience buying shoes when she was little. Uh, she was grown in a big family, and they didn't have a ton of money. And so when they went shoe shopping, she just had to buy what was, ever, what was on sale, what was cheapest. But she had a sister that had really, really narrow feet. And so they had to like kind of special order her shoes. So she got to get whatever she wanted. So she'd had this just traumatic experience of buying shoes. So then fast forward, she gets older and she's taking her kids to buy shoes and she's noticing that she's grumpy and that she's angry and, and kind of being mean. And all the while, it's just because of those bad experiences a long time ago. And, and I think we've, we've got to understand that sometimes it's trauma in our life. It it dictates our future. And it doesn't have to be something big. I think sometimes we understand that, oh, I've had this, this accident or, or a death has happened and, it, and it's affecting the way that I live. Like, no, sometimes it's little things like a bad experience buying shoes. We can't let those things dictate our future. Can't let them cloud our hearts. I also think that our hearts can be clouded by misperception. We got we to understand that, that what we see isn't always what you get. And I think that it's way too easy for us to make snap judgments about things when we don't even have the whole story. Now, the illustration I'm about to tell you is theoretical. So before you get upset, don't. Okay. Let's say one of you saw me, Pastor Will, leaving a liquor store with a brown bag. Now, that could lead your thought life all kinds of different places. I could be getting a bag from who knows what it is, but you could assume that I'm just some crazy drunk and that your kids, should your kids be led by Pastor Will who goes to the liquor store? Now, I'm not trying to say anything about alcohol, but I want you to understand that it could be that maybe I'm buying red wine to use with cooking. And you've all of a sudden now made it out to be that I'm some crazy drunk. Now, it's easy to use this illustration because I think alcohol tastes terrible and I would rather eat my calories. Let's get real, okay? But I, I say that to say that it is so easy to fill in the gaps with things that we don't really know or completely understand. And I think that we've got to learn to give people the benefit of the doubt. We've got to learn to give people a chance to tell their story, so this all being said, we, we've, we've gone through some of these things that we cannot, or reasons we cannot trust our heart all the time. So what can we trust? That's, that's what it leads me to, is what, what can we trust then? And this is the most important thing. If you don't hear anything else but this, 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 is, this, is, this is it right here. You can trust God. You can trust God's word. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says this. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries. Even in a year of drought, it never fails 
to bear fruit. Blessed is the one who trusts in God. Because even when there's fear, even when there's drought, even when there's heat, even when problems come, we don't need to worry because we trust that God will show up. We trust that God will triumph. We trust that he will guide us. We trust that he can bring clarity even amongst the storms of life. John 8, 31 through 32 says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, then truly you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I want you to hear this. This is really important. You get context is everything here. If you know my word, if you abide in my word, then you will know the truth. Then the truth can set you free. It is his word that gives us access to that truth and that which sets us free. Now, I grew up with the movie The Lion King. Like ever since I was a kid, I, man, I just loved it as a kid. And I was so excited to hear that they were coming out with this live action, which really is just animation. I don't know how that's live action, but it's, a, it's beside the point. So I just got really excited to see this movie. And there's some things I thought they did well and some things I eh, didn't really care for. But there was one scene in the movie that I just really, really loved. Now, if you don't know the story, Simba is this lion who's supposed to be king, who's living in a foreign land because he's been convinced from this lie that he's responsible for his father's death. So there's this moment at the end of the movie where he confronts his uncle Scar Spoiler alert, my bad. Those of you that haven't seen it. And, and Scar is using this lie against him. And Simba kind of starts to cower and back up. And he gets to this point where he's falling off this cliff. That Scar's got him where he wants him. He's got an opportunity to kill him. And then he, he does the dumbest thing. He tells him the truth. He says, guess what? Actually, you didn't kill your father. It was me that killed your father. And, and there's like this, it's just like this switch goes on in Simba. Like all the weight of all this trauma in his life just gets lifted in that instant. And he goes from being this cowering thing to go, oh, it's on, Scar. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go at it. And, and I believe that that's exactly what the word of God can do for us. Because there's a lot of lies in life that we tend to believe. But when we soak ourselves in the truth of his word, we remember what he said. So regardless of how I feel, I trust in his promises. See, we can't, we can't help but to feel the way that we feel. But you got to understand that your heart and your feelings can be wrong. And maybe today there's some of you that just need to be freed from what your heart is telling you. God says, go to my word, read my promises, remember who you are, let the truth of who you are, let the truth of your heritage set you free. You are my son, you are my daughter, and you are greatly, greatly loved. This verse isn't in your outline, you can write it down because it's good. 2 Corinthians 1.20. This is what it says. For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. So we can rely on the promises of God because they were sealed with what Jesus did on the cross. He says, yes, I love you. When you can't trust your own heart, trust God's heart. Trust his word over the way that you feel 
trust God's truth, the truth, the metric by which we should measure all things, especially our hearts. So my question for us this morning is, how often are you consulting the truth? And part of this is, do you believe that the Bible is the truth? Do you believe that it has the power to set you free from the way that you feel? Do you believe that it can bring clarity to you in your everyday life? If you say yes to those things, then my next question is, what are you letting keep you from God's word? The application is simple here, y'all. Soak yourself in God's word. Memorize it. Read it. Study it. Talk about it. Dwell on it. When you can't trust your heart, trust the word of God. Because blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. I also believe that we can trust in our Christ family. Proverbs 27, 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I don't know about you, but I do not desire to be dull. So that means that I need people in my life to help me see what I can't see. I need people in my life that will help me grow where I can't grow on my own. I need people that are willing to speak the truth in love, even when it's something I don't want to hear. Like there is great, great benefit and wise counsel. And, and can, we just, can we just put an emphasis on the word wise? Now, I'm going to show my age here, and I know that most of you feel no pity for me. It's fine. Uh, maybe some of you younger folks may not have any idea what I'm talking about, or maybe they still show reruns. I don't know. But there was a show that kind of took over the world for a year or so. It was Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Maybe it was just in my house. Like, we were, we always watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? It was always like, do you know the questions? I mean, we just, we just loved that show. And the show basically is you just answer questions, and if you get a certain amount of them right, you win a million dollars. And as a part of that show, there was this thing where if they read you a question and you didn't know the answer, you could phone a friend, right? So the idea, the concept behind this is if I get to a question I don't understand or have the answer for, I'm going to call someone else. I'm going to call someone who's smarter than me. Can, can we just say that it would be ignorant to call someone that's dumber than you are? Okay, that's, this is exactly what I'm talking about. See, when I, and even to the point of smart in particular areas, right? Like if I have an electrical issue in my house, I call Kevin Gunner. Why? Because he's an electrician, right? If I have a question about Legos, I call John Thompson because the man knows a lot about Legos. Okay, there's, there's just specific things. I call somebody who's smarter than I am, right? Leaning on the people of God. That's why my wife is so vital in, in the ministry. And even though she can't be as involved as, as she would love to be, man, there's issues that girls go through that I will never understand. And I don't want to, okay? That's why she's so valuable to me. Because she can answer and she can love on those girls in ways that I will never be able to. And in ways that it's not appropriate for me to, right? You guys under, you understand this. Proverbs 12, 26 says this. The godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray. 
I had to practice reading this verse a lot this week because every time I read it, I wanted to say ashtray. Um, but that fits as well. The wicked will lead you also to an ashtray. So don't follow them. But the, but the first stipulation here is that the people you talk to are godly. Not only are they smarter than you, are they godly? Are they people who are rooted in the word of God? And I really like the word guidance better than advice. The godly give good guidance to their friend because I don't think that it's our job to tell people what they should do. I think it's our job to point people to Jesus. It's our, our, our Christian family was never supposed to be the Savior. They were never supposed to jump in and do things for us. But to help us figure out what would Jesus do if he were in my shoes? We've got to learn to let our Christ family speak into our life. And we've got to learn to be the Christ family to others. To be selfless people, guiding people, not for their own benefit, but for what is best. Godly friends that can look at a situation objectively and give good biblical guidance. A Christ family that, that we can spend time around, that we can make each other better, whether it's through devotion fellowship, Bible study, um, just having role models, whatever it is, man. That's why we do a lot of the things that we do here at Chartel. That's the purpose behind Wednesday night because we have this idea that one of our focal points being preparing the next generation, we teach a specific way for, for a reason. I teach these kids in a way that I want them to be able to go home and their parents say, uh, did Pastor Will teach you anything today? No, the Spirit that taught me something. I saw something for myself. I read something for me. I taught myself because one day we're not going to be around and I want their faith to be their own. But right now we got to be that force that they can lean on. The other piece is, is becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. We believe that we do that better as we gather together and look at scripture together, live life together, lean on each other. When you cannot trust your heart, Trust your Christ family. This next one might be a little strange, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. I, I think that when you can't trust your heart, you can trust patience. Now, I don't know what your view of our family is. Most people just, I think, assume that the wife does all the cooking. As you heard her laughing. That's not the case in our house. Uh, I do most of the cooking, and I, I got to apologize to my wife. There's, there's times, see, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I can go long periods of time without eating. Uh, not her, you know. She, she gets, uh, let's say, impatient. And sometimes she just wants to eat when she wants to eat, which is fine. I, I get that. Sometimes she'd be like, well, Will, what are you doing for dinner? I'm like, well, I... I just don't know if I'm really hungry yet. I don't know, you know, what sounds good. And so she'll make dinner for herself and it'll be like a, a peanut butter and honey sandwich or something like that. And then like an hour later, I get inspired and I'm in there and I'm frying up some chicken and I'm doing all this stuff. And she's like, really? You couldn't have, you couldn't have waited? Well, sorry. Don't know what to tell you. But, th but that's, kind of, that's kind of how our culture is. We're... We're not really great at being patient, and I think we're kind of groomed that way. We kind of want what we want when we want it. But isn't it said that good things come to those who wait? Do you believe that? I think I would say that I believe that, but 
I'm not sure my actions back me up on that. I think the danger for me is in the first few minutes or seconds. And I think that's when I'm most tempted to trust my heart and to dive all in. But I think what we really need to learn is to trust in patience. To slow down. To take a deep breath. To think. To ask. Dissect. And most importantly, pray about things. And if it's a decision, decision that is requiring you to make it right away, I think we got to learn to have the courage to say no. And I think this is, this is the problem that Saul had in Scripture. Saul loses his kingdom because he was impatient. God had sent him somewhere and he says, I want you to go to war against these people, but I'm going to send Samuel and he's going to do the sacrifice before you go to war. And all of a sudden, Saul is looking at this camp and they're like, they're ready to be defeated. And he's seeing this opportunity. He's like, Where did, where's Samuel at? He's supposed to be offering this sacrifice. He's nowhere to be found. He's like, you know what? We can't miss this opportunity. I'm just going to do it myself. And he's disobedient to God. And he ends up losing his kingship. Can we say that we are that different? How many times are we praying and praying and praying for something to say, well, God, you haven't showed up yet, so I'm just going to do it my way. We've got to learn in Romans 12, 12 to be patient in trouble. It says, rejoice in our confident hope, but be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Be patient in trouble. Wait for God to show up, to speak. All the while, keep praying. I love that, what it says in Scripture, to keep on praying. This idea that, one, you're already praying, but to keep at it. Wait for the Lord. Why? Because blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Be patient. Have hope that that he will show up, that he will rescue, that he will be a fortress, that he will show you a way out, that he will bring clarity to you where it is murky. My question for us this morning is, what have we been praying about? And have we been willing to wait for an answer? And here's an even better question. Are we willing to search God's word to see if maybe he already answered our question? When you can't trust your heart, Trust patience. I want to give you just one more. I think we've got to learn to trust compassion. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Against such things there is no law. So maybe you can't always trust your heart. You can't always trust your motives. But you can trust compassion. Living a life motivated by love for others. It can never be wrong. That's what it says right here. It says, in fact, there is no law against it. And this is what Jesus got in trouble for all the time, for healing people on the Sabbath. It was against the law to do it. But he said, listen, you don't understand when I'm doing this in love, there's no law against what I'm doing. And I think it's important to stop here. And, and I just got to say, when, when I say the word love, we've got to learn to define it the way that God does, not the way that we do. When I say the word love, I'm talking about Corinthians 13 love. Love that is patient. Love that is kind. Love, love that has no record of wrongs. When we're motivated by that love, there's nothing against it. In fact, the Bible says it's the most important thing we can do. It says when everything else goes wrong, all you got to do is love. In fact, in, in Corinthians 12, you get this entire scripture talking about spiritual gifts that you have. And the very last sentence is, but let me tell you a more excellent way you can be of service to God. Just love people. Everybody can do it, whether you're gifted or not. Choose to love. 
Because love is the most powerful thing in the universe. Where there is love, there is forgiveness. It is love that can bear all things. Love that hopes in all things. Love that endures all things. Are you loving God well? Are you loving other people well? And what does that look like for you? To be more loving. Now, Stephanie and I, we, we well, okay, let me, let me start over. Stephanie wanted a puppy. So we got, we got, we got a puppy, and I got to say, I, I love the puppy now too, it's fine. But there's often times that we like to take the puppy to the dog park because we want him to get his energy out so that when we sit down at home, he's sleeping in the there's peace in the house, right? Some of you that are dog owners, you understand this. And so usually Malin goes with us and it doesn't, almost every time, at some point, Malin's like, well, the kid park's right there. Dad, you should take me. So somehow I just get suckered into to going to the kid park. And a couple days ago, I'm so thankful that we did. And you guys know how it is. When you take your kids to the park, you never know what you're going to experience. Sometimes there's a bunch of rowdy older kids and yeah, let's not go there so I can stay saved. Uh, but <laughs> this time, it was, it was just us two at first, and then this other girl, and, and her dad showed up, and her, she was four years old too, just like Malin. Her name was Lily, and I mean, they just start having, like me and Malin are having fun, but then Lily comes, and so, Dad, I don't need you anymore, so whatever, I guess I'll just go sit on the bench, you know, you know call me if you need me. Uh, and she's just having a blast, and, I, and I'm sitting there watching them play, and, and my heart is just, and so much love, right? Because this little girl, Lily, is black. And, and I just started thinking to myself, like, I don't know, 70, 80 years ago, this wasn't even allowed. Like, it just, it just brought joy to my heart. Like, and I asked the, the guy sitting across from me, the, the other person's dad, I said, at what point is it do we grow up and we care? That's what I love about kids. That's what I think God says that in order to enter his kingdom, we got to be like children because children don't care. I don't care if you're black. I'm just here to have fun. You want to have fun? Okay, let's have fun together. And listen, I'm not just saying that because it's, I'm not trying to be racial or anything, but I'm saying we, we do that. We, we let these things get in the way. We let our hearts get clouded and, and we don't act in love. But that same Incredible love, man, God had for us while we were still sinners. When you cannot trust your heart, let your heart be guided by biblical love. When you can't trust your heart, trust compassion. Trust the greatest act of compassion this world's ever known, that the God of the universe would send his son to die a sinner's death, to be humiliated and mocked and broken for us. While we were still his enemies, he willingly forfeit his own life because he looked at you and he said, man, I love them. When you cannot trust your heart, trust the heart of God. Trust his love for you. This morning I'm going to ask if Rachel would come and those that are our prayer partners, I'm going to have them come as well. We just want to make them available to you. Maybe there's something you're going through and you just need somebody to pray with you. If you feel like you can't leave the pew, 
If you're not able to come up front, just raise your hand and one of them will come and pray with you. But this morning, I don't want you to miss out on an opportunity. I don't know if there was one thing I said or maybe nothing I said that's connected with you, but the Spirit's moving in your heart. Maybe there's some fear that you've been dealing with. Something you know you need to do that you've just been scared. Maybe it's a desire. Maybe there's some desires that have been clouding your life and your heart. Maybe it's an old wound that you never really dealt with that you just need to come and deal with at the altar. I just hope that today you'll take an opportunity, whether here in the lobby, wherever, to lean into Christ's family. God put us here for a reason, to lean on each other, to be patient with each other, to be compassionate with one another. Don't miss an opportunity to respond to God today. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so thankful for all that you are, Lord. I don't know what what heartstrings were tugged today. Now there's a few of my own. Just ask that you would help us to be a, a people that love. You didn't die on a cross so that we could be grumpy people. You wanted us to experience life in a way that nobody else could experience without you. And you wanted us to share that with other people. Father God, I just has to help us to lean into that today. Maybe there's just some fear blocking us from maybe saying something or saying something to somebody else. I just ask that you would guide and direct, Lord. I just ask that you would encourage us and challenge us to lean into you and your word. Your word, when you say, be strong and courageous. And we don't have to fear because it is you that is with us, he who has overcome Father God, I just ask that you would just remind us in this fast-paced world to just be patient, to lean into what you have to say, to search for your answers. Father God, I just ask that you'd help us to be people that just choose to be compassionate, choose to love people, Choose to not just sit around, but to put actions to our words. Like my daughter so greatly modeled to me today, this week, just all the things that keep me from loving people. Just help me forget about it. Free us from those things. Help us to love people as you have chosen to love us, Father God. We need your strength and courage to do that. We ask that you would go with us as we leave this place. We love you. We praise you in your holy name. 
Amen.